Extreme Rewind begins just after this. The early 1990s was a great time to be a child. Remember the feeling when you were young, running through the aisle of your local toy store, or wishing for that present under the tree? That feeling is no longer in the past with the unofficial wrestling figure retrospective. It was a period of change for the WWF and also for the figures. Back when everyone was a superstar and became names you'd remember almost 30 years later. So read the book before it pins you one, two, three. Once you invite people, be sure to stay on the screen until they have joined. Okay. And you have joined. Yay! Yay! Oh, what a wild ride. Um, I don't know how to do an introduction for this. Anchor, I love you, apart from when I don't. <laughs> but I did get us on um, Spotify. That That's why I love them most of the time. And that's why we're grateful. Uh, this is Sports Arena, and this is Extreme Rewind. And I normally do a spiel about how we look at episode one to 401 of ECW Hardcore TV from East into Extreme, all the pay-per-views in between. We know this. We know that I'm Paul. We know that's Jay. We know this. We do. But... And do you know, another thing we know is Anchor, when it's not being great, does weird things and plays some very odd mind games with us. It does. It does. And speaking of mind games... Oh, Still have a little in your house. You in your house. Um, yeah, last week, obviously, in ECW, there was a fan cam moment where Tommy Dreamer, Sandman, and that all appeared on Mind Games. And we kind of completely passed by this and didn't really have an opinion on it. Because this week, we're going over to the Fed to check out a little bit of Mind Games, to check out a little bit of the Raw the night after, in 1996, the 22nd and the 23rd of September, to be precise, Mind Games pay-per-view and Raw is War. And um, to see about this little um, EC-dub, EC-dub, quote-unquote... Invasion. Invasion, yeah. I won't even go as far as quote-unquote. I'm going to say invasion. They invaded. I'm going to go kayfabe and say invasion. Oh, say it again. Invasion! <laughs> oh, so, yeah, mind games. It was kind of over before it started with this one. To be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I've expected all this. Oh, ECW appearing throughout the blah, blah, blah. First match. <laughs> yeah. So, um, although I think it's a really interesting time to, to watch it. We were talking about it last week because... A lot of our alumni. ECW alumni are, are arriving in WWF, WWE. Uh, so it's a really interesting time to kind of go over and see what's going on with some people because there's some familiar faces from our, our, our journey from Eastern to Extreme and all specials and pay-per-views in between. Yeah, there's some uh, formerly stunning people that are now a little... Yep. Stone Coldy and yep. Pillman's and there's cannons with with guns on their chest. Yeah, there's, there's, there's uh, so loose cannons. 
we hadn't seen, but we, we were led to believe was once in an Eastern Championship wrestling ring. Yeah, so it's uh, pretty decent. So the match, uh, the, the show it starts, starts with a Caribbean strap match, Savio Vega versus Justin Hook Bradshaw, Uncle Zebekiah. Yeah, so apparently on the free for all show, Savio Vega had a match with Marty Gennetti. ECW alumni. Um, with, with ECW alumni, uh, Leaf Cassidy, uh, because they were the new rockers. They were the new uh, rockers. That was a thing, wasn't it? At this point, they were the new rockers. Um, so Savio Vega defeated Marty Gennetti. And whilst this was happening, Justin Bradshaw came out and attacked him which was the entire build for this pay-per-view Caribbean strap match. That's all you need, really. Is it? Uh, yeah, no, it is. It's, it's, um, it's all you need this time. It's basically like you're watching the free-for-all. Do I want this pay-per-view? Bradshaw said yes. He have, did. Have, have it. So, uh, yeah, this match happened. Basically, Bradshaw kicked the crap out of him from the get-go, hitting... Three out of the four pads. It looked like it was over before it started. But while this was happening, in the bottom left of the screen, you could see Tommy Dreamer sitting there, completely no-selling the show, which I thought was quite good. They were... So you saw Tommy Dreamer basically pounded. and you saw... Um, is he Heyman at this point? Or is he still poorly dangerously? I think he's Heyman now. I think he's Heyman now. But um, yeah, I saw Heyman and Sandman also there. But even though this was a strap match and there were some brutal shots and all this, they completely no-sold it like it was nothing. And I, I kind of dug that. Yeah, they, like they a, weren't impressed. Man. So obviously the, the, the story that we heard last week on ECW is WWF, as it was at the time, have invaded their, their turf. They are in Philadelphia, the home of ECW, the home of this renegade wrestling promotion, as it's referenced. Yeah. Um, uh, so they've come out because WWF have come onto their turf. So they've come for to, to send a message. Yeah, and there was there was a patter of ECW chants. I wouldn't say it was a you know overwhelming echoing through the arena, but there was there was, no. a, there was a gentle patter from that side and people surrounding that was strong enough for it to be heard, but not. You know, the, the crowd's rocking with ECW. No, it wasn't a takeover, was it? No. It was, it was an in-your-house. Um, no, it wasn't, it wasn't one of those kind of, you know, just raucous um, elements. Yeah. So, um, anyway, a match happens. They end up fighting outside. Savio and Bradshaw are near the barricades and... Sandman just basically stands up and spits a whole load of beer into Savio Vega's face. Then yes. He starts smashing the the can on his head. And I thought it's like, you've got five seconds to get yourself over to prove you're wild, to prove you're crazy. Sandman, you've done it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was impactful. Um, I mean, you know, it, given that because of the way it's set up, you're not going to be able to swing a... Cha- a, a, a um, cane at him and whack him on the head well this is it i, I think mean, this is the next best thing it was i mean obviously this is um you know it's realistic that he could have just gone and bought a beer that's what people do so that's very much a thing but if he'd walked in had a singapore cane and hit him you straight away would have thought who let him in with that don't seem yeah. right 
So, Absolutely. Very cleverly done as if it was thing. And I mean, the match continued. They treated it was as if it was sort of an invasion not supposed to happen because the crowd didn't, you know, the camera didn't stay on it. It was just in the yep. bottom left again. You could see security. You just saw the security and um, Briscoe and a few others bundling in to to break them up. Yeah, and I thought that was it was a night it was handled really well. Yeah, um, I've got to say, out of the two that we will be referencing and talking about, yeah, I think this one was the most organic and the better set up and handled. Yeah, agreed. Um, I suppose we can touch on the rest of the cards. Well, do we want to talk about? Uh, so, I, I, I'd love to walk to talk through the rest of the card because I really enjoyed mind games. Um, do we want to talk about kind of the the inside bit of this? Um, so, uh, so the um, as referenced on Pritchard's, Pritchard's podcast, something to wrestle, and a few other shows and whatever else. Uh, this was a setup, but it was a setup that not many people knew about. So. Um, Savio had been pulled to one side by Bruce Pritchard and told, uh, we got some guys out there from, from ECW. If anything happens, uh, tie up Bradshaw so Bradshaw doesn't just go for them. Um, and that's what he did, which is why you see him not react and suddenly just grab hold of Bradshaw and take him away from the thing. Um, the story goes that they had a safe word so if it got too hot and if it was getting too um, too heated, um, there was a safe word to say to Heyman and the gang, which was Bockwinkle, which meant just abort, get out now, leave, go, 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 that's it, done. Um, so when it came on camera and you saw them react, um, uh, Pritchard apparently grabbed hold of Gerald Briscoe and said, tell uh, Heyman, Bockwinkle, get the fuck out of there. Um, and that was Briscoe being wise up to the fact that this is all a plant and all a work. So he ran down and managed to get in and tell them to go away by, by you know, Bockwinkle and all the rest of it. Yeah. And, and as Pritchard's trying to sort this out, he's accosted by Undertaker backstage, who says, you've got to level me with me right now. Was that a work? Uh, and um, Pritchard goes, yeah. Um, and Taker apparently points out to him that he should wise least someone in the backup on this because they almost had the entire locker room empty out and go for it which in hindsight i probably would have loved um but uh yeah it was part of the working it was it was a little bit of co-promotion from the working relationship from um ecw that we'll see grow um in in the coming points it's it's kind of weird because not smartening up the, the that sort of the um, the backstage people and all that it sort of made no sense. Yeah, I mean, I understand. Well, so I mean, I even I was going to say I understand not not smarting up the two in the ring, but you have you smartened up Savio to some degree, and you want them to have a reaction to it. But yeah, you don't want you want security to run out, and you want you know some agents to run out. You don't want you know the likes of. Taker and Fader and you know whoever else were kind of the big locker room enforcers yeah. at that point. That character running, yeah, Farouk and and Ron Simmons as he also known and all the rest of it, just like streaming down and and addressing this. 
Yeah. So yeah, it was an interesting um, twist. But um, yeah, decent. Nicely done. They're all obviously wearing ECW shirts rather than their own sort of merch, though. They were, they were clever in the way they approached it, but it was good. Um, I'm not really going to touch on the Jim Cornette match. I think we can skip that. Yeah, that was that was shockingly bad. Yeah. But we will touch on the segment after that, which was Brian Pillman on the way to the ring. Um, basically calls out Owen Hart and says, search for Brett the Hitman Hart. Yes. Because Hitman at this point has retired. And they're saying he's running away scared. And he's not running away scared from Owen or Pillman. He's running away from scared from the next person out. And that is Stone Cold Steve Austin. Still with his ringmaster music. Yeah. Um, but, um, so uh, what I loved on this was, um, firstly, Owen Hart. Just brilliant. Yeah. Um, Slammy Award winning Owen Hart. King of Hearts, Owen Hart. Um, and, uh, you know... He says that Brett's scared. Um, and uh, Pillman says, you know, is he scared of me? And uh, or, or makes a joke about him being scared of, of Pillman. And Owen corrects him and says, he's not scared of you. And he's not scared of me. And then kind of catches what he said and goes, well, you know, he's a little scared of me. Uh, but the guy he's actually scared of is, is Stone Cold Steve Austin, uh, which brings him out. And I, I just loved the, the, the Owen Hart catching himself. He's not scared of me. Well, of course, he's a little scared of me. Yeah. Um, and, and then going for it. So I, yeah, it was brilliant. Brilliant. Austin came out, and this is where he dropped one of my favorite Austin lines that he's ever done. And that's basically, if you put S in front of the hitman, that's how, how I feel about Bret Hart. Yeah. Um, it's, it was a really interesting promo for a lot of reasons. It felt... It felt you know, a, a perfect encapsulation of that moment before they tip into the attitude area, uh, area, yeah. era. Yeah. Um, that point where they're, they're pushing against those boundaries, but they're not going as far as, you know, just cursing and all the rest of it. So you've got the cleverness of, you know, things like that line to get that point across, but to not simply state and, 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 and swear. Um, so yes, I, I I thought that was that was really good. Um, one of the things I thought was really bizarre, with the benefit of hindsight, is you've got Pillman and in, uh, interviewing Austin, yeah, former Hollywood blondes, obviously, yeah. um, and then what you've got is um, Pillman's T-shirt, which has a picture of a gun on it, um, with uh, and on it it says uh, the slogan, um, "I don't call nine one one." Suggesting that if you came to him, he wouldn't call 911 if you were breaking in. He'd just shoot you. Which is really interesting, bearing in mind that these two will go on to have one of the most controversial uh, moments in Raw's history, where Steve Austin does a home invasion on uh, Pillman. And that scene goes off with a gunshot and the question as to whether Pillman has shot... Austin as a home invader. Yeah. Instead of calling 911. Good observation. Yeah, that's that's probably a little bit deep, isn't it? It was deep, but it's it's relevant because it was a thing. Um, See, this is why you use me as your personal Google because I come up with these weird things. (laughs) 
Um, Austin uh, is like a breath of fresh air here. Obviously, we saw him standing in ECW. Obviously, hair is completely gone. Goatee has arrived. His complete character change seems to be getting to it. Brian Pillman seems like a toned-down version of himself. Yeah. But it's un- uh, so understandable, Brian, though. Brian Pillman feel, sound, feels like himself with some direction. Yeah. Um, these are the points we'd like you to get across. This is what we'd like you to, to, to say. Here's the bullet points of what we want you to go and do. So do you know a Brian Pillman thing, but just in this kind of time. Yeah, um, yeah. No, and, um, I was a big fan of that. I thought it was, um, it's decent. It's nice to see them both. We then dive into tag team title match. The Smoking Guns defended their titles against Owen Hart and the British Bulldog. We got a title change. We have, and we've got ECW alumni again. So we've got the British Bulldog, who who would have turned up in Eastern at some point. Um, but we also have Sonny. Sonny now with the Smoking Guns after leaving uh, Body Donis. Well, she's not. Um, she's not an alumni yet, is she? she no, appear. but she's an alumni in a, in an overall way. Oh, an overall. She's easy, it, yeah. with the yeah with the with the benefit of hindsight. She's an alumni. She doesn't make her first appearance in ECW until August '97. So we're about a year away from her turning up to ECW at the Hardcore Heaven pay per view. Yeah. Um, and then doesn't join until um, August '98 um, for her stint. But um, you know, on on in the history of ECW, looking back at the the promotion, she's an alumni. Agreed. Is my argument? I'm sticking to it. Decent argument. Um, it matches itself. Not a bad match, but there's no point really dissecting matches. This one anyway. No. So um, I I loved the the I mean Hart and British Bulldog um chemistry. I thought they yeah. were incredible. Um, smoking guns, I thought were pretty good. I don't, I didn't remember them being. I, I don't remember many smoking guns matches. Um, it was really interesting watching Billy Gunn be the smoking gun, Billy Gunn. Yeah, not the arsehole. Um, yeah. Um, so that was that was quite interesting for me to watch, and you know, them playing up that you know he he may or may not be trying to impress Sonny and, and the dissension in the smoking guns that they're kind of weaving through and stuff like that. So it was, um, it was an interesting match. It was, it was quite an interesting little, uh, uh, match to watch with, with, um, the nostalgia goggles on. I agree. Definitely. Uh, Mark Henry then defeated Jerry Lawler. Yeah. So this was one of Mark. Henry, I, I think this was Mark Henry's debut, wasn't it? Uh, um, yeah, I'm sure it was his debut match. Uh, yes, it was. So uh, they had the the video packages earlier of him walking around Philadelphia and, you know, the Liberty Bell and real kind of white meat baby face, kind of boring, you know, American God bless hero. America style promos, which feel dated for that time, um, you know, looking back. Um, and then Jerry Lawler is the is the the comedic heel who, um, you know, is chirping at Mark Henry and then Mark Henry um, destroys him only to be jumped by uh, Marty Jannetty, Leaf Cassidy and Triple H. The original version of DX. <laughs> Break it down. 
Uh, in a different world where the, where Marty's Sean and Sean's Marty. Yeah. So they were there. They had it all. And Leaf Cassidy's the one, two, three kid and the one, two, three kids avatar. I was going to say, but it was, um, it was Karina that was nearly one, two, three kid, wasn't it? Or whatever it was. Yeah. She was going to come in with Razor, isn't it? Um, next match, Undertaker versus Goldust. I don't know a lot about this feud. But from what I saw, it sort of made me want to check out a bit more about this feud because the combination seems pretty cool. Yeah, so it's 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 the the gold dust kind of menagerie, isn't it? It's it's the the gold dust kind of weird group attacking the Undertaker, um, uh, and it, yeah, it was it was um, an interesting match. It was it was. Um, uh, I don't know if I can go as far as saying it's a good match, but it's definitely an interesting match. It's better than what I thought it'd be. Yep, yep. But like I said, the, the idea of it, it is sort of like cool. I like the the, the the quirkiness of Goldust versus the you know completely serious Undertaker. It was it was a decent balance in the world of sort of mind games and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, didn't mind it. And then it takes. A... It was it was all right, and then and then we go into the um, the main event. The creme de la creme. Um, I'm not sure if this was. I'm not sure if the Randy Orton match beat it in the end, but for a long time this was uh, Mick Foley's favourite match. He was a yeah. part of. So what didn't it go Sting at Bash of the Beach? Then when this one happened, it became this. I'm not sure if the Randy Orton match was his favourite in the end. Yeah, I mean, I but think, this is... and and possibly Hell in the Cell for different reasons, and possibly the the halftime heat or the the the, the Royal Rover and the heavyweight champion for different reasons. But um, I I think um, uh, I think this is up there for for actually for both of them. It's probably one of my favourite Shawn Michaels matches as well. Yeah, um, that's great match. So Mankind versus Shawn Michaels, obviously for the um, the heavyweight title. They gave him, I think, a bit, like, a bit over 25 minutes, it felt like. Yeah, 26 so, minutes and 25 seconds. There you go. But, um, yeah, no, a good amount of time. Really stunning match. I mean, I'm sure most people have seen it, but for the few that haven't, it's worth going and checking. Obviously, Mankind completely away from the Cactus Jack character. We're used to seeing his promo technique. Again, completely different. He's yep. really embraced his character and given it 100%, and you have to respect that. But um, yeah, fantastic match, absolutely. Yeah, to the point where he's he's shaved chunks of his head to give the impression that he's ripped out all of the hair in those patches in his head. Um, Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Um, And you know, a match where Shawn Michaels kind of takes a different tack on his his usual style. So you know, they they tell the story of Shawn realizing he's in a fight with this really dangerous mankind um and therefore having to go far more into a brawling kind of fight than um uh, his usual technical style stuff so changes up the wrestling moves for far more kicks and far more punches and it did feel at points as if there was like an ecaw influence on things albeit lightly so Shawn michaels jumping off of uh, you know jumping out on a chair to do a super kick into the face and in, um, into a chair, into the face of mankind, um, 
suplexes from the turnbuckle through tables. Um, it did have an ECW-esque feel to it. Which was, um, which was interesting because obviously they had a working relationship with ECW. They must have heard patters and been somewhat fearing, not a hostile crowd, but the potential of um, something. Because to give them sort of mankind in this sort of match in the main event was catering to that, obviously. Oh, yeah. I mean, a, a, a brilliant play by them. Um, I mean, you know, let's be honest, the, the, the variance in crowd, you know, so about 15,000 would have attended this compared to the... 1,500, if that. Maybe 1,500, yeah. So, you know, you, you, you could take all of the ECW faithful who are in the bingo hall and they would be drowned out quite happily by the kids and the, 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 the more fair weather fans that would have been part of that crowd. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a really good match. It was a really good style between the two of them. It didn't feel slow for a 26 minute match. Um, um, I preferred the match before all of the gubbins that happened at the end. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Shawn Michaels retained via DQ. Yep. What do you think of the finish? I didn't mind it. Um, I liked the fact that Mankind didn't get pinned clean. Yeah. Because it felt like after everything, for him to, to, to go to sleep after Sweet Chin Music would have been a little bit stunted. Um. But so I, I didn't mind the fact that it was a bit of a, a, a fuck finish, a little bit of a, a, a silly DQ kind of thing. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, it was it was fine. It's just I don't know if it needed Stuff. everyone. And I know it's kind of the the point of their like swinging people off into their new feuds. But you know, we had Vader run out like a baby elephant into the ring, kind of trying to attack Shawn Michaels. Uh, which which gave us the DQ. Uh, Psycho Sid then came out, and for all the talk that people th- do about you know punches and, and and crappy looking punches, Psycho Sid's punches in this were awful. Yeah, um, just absolutely shocking. Although I've got to admit that you know as as cliche and gimmicky as it is, mankind beating up Shawn Michaels, going to roll him into the casket. The casket opens, and there's the Undertaker. I knew that. I've seen that a number of times in this and others. I know that's how it goes. I know it's the choreographed spot. Bloody loved it. It's been uh, great work. And that was um, Mind Games. It was. It took us to the next night. Raw, September the 23rd, 1996. Um... Wow, this was fun. Yeah, very much of its time. Um, Royal Card. We started off with Mark Romero defeating Farouk. Just, yeah. I mean, Farouk at this stage, that outfit is horrendous. I forgot that he actually wore the hat in the ring. Oh, yeah. I, I, I remembered the hat, obviously. Um, the hat is iconic. I remembered the hat. Um, I forgot that he didn't take it off whilst wrestling. 
Yeah, I feel like this could be a, a Comic Con Mattel exclusive. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's, um, um, it's good enough. Yeah, I, I think you're. I, I think you're right. But um, yeah, no, I mean, Farouk's there, obviously, another ECW alumni, and that. So he's, he's at the Fed doing his yep. thing. Um, takes us to the next match with a tag team match: Owen Hart and Bulldog. Your new champions versus the Body Donners, Skip and Zip. And this match is relevant because Taz storms through the crowd with the crowd chanting ECW. Uh, again, sort of similar to Fight 4, not completely overwhelming, but you can hear it. The chants, he jumps over, you sort of hear Fonzie's whistle from the other side. He grabs a sign off of him that says Sabu Fizz Taz. And um, Taz just looked pumped to be there, to be honest. He did. Um, so the fact they jumped the barrier, the fact that he had the very professional-looking sign, the fact that it was given time and referenced by the announcers far more than the last ones, all felt a little more choreographed than the night before. Yeah, and um, I, I did like the fact that they went to commercial rather than having him bundled out again. Yeah. It was it was the same but different. It was sort of instead of just having us oh, get security out here again, it's happened again. It was just you saw this thing, you came back and he was gone. Yeah. And that was the end of it. Yeah. Um and it was a really interesting match to do it in because, you know, again, the number of ECW alumni in there, you've got uh you've you've got um Chris Candido, obviously. You've got uh, Bulldog, who we've referenced previously, yep. and you've got Zip, who uh, is uh, Dr. Tom Pritchard, who we last saw as as with um, Jimmy Del Rey for yeah for uh, yeah for Heavenly Bodies for That's a minute. It. Yeah. So um, yeah, a, a really interesting group. I, I thought it was a really interesting match for him to to come out and do that in because this, again, it's it's and spoilers, but. Skip must be finishing off here because he's back very soon. Yeah. So yeah. Candido comes back in like about a week, two weeks. Yeah, I know it's late of that year. So I'm not sure. So if yeah, it this must is be like his last, if not one of his last matches before he's gone. Very possibly. Yeah. Um. We then had the Stalker versus Hunter Hurst Helmsley. The game Triple H. This is obviously Barry Windham in one of his least favourable gimmicks. Oh, this was this was this was harsh. There was, I found the raw a forty-eight minute raw, um, a far tougher watch than in your house, partly because of match quality and partly because of. Um, uh, less favourable nostalgia than was in in your house, I think. Um, so yeah, Hunter Hurst Helmsley versus the Stalker. The Stalker looked, I, I, he looked worse than I remembered. Yeah, he looked even worse than I remembered. I remembered him looking silly. I didn't remember him looking like some weird emo fuckwit with the, with the black face paint on, um, which doesn't cover his moustache. And then yeah. by the end of the match, where this paint has has basically sweated off by the looks of things, 
it's just kind of this black around the middle of his face and and you know surrounding his blonde moustache. It was just a very weird look. Um, I uh, the name's odd to me because of sitting here in 2020 watching it. Um, I know it's meant to be kind of like that hunter deer stalker kind of thing. In 2020, stalker has a very different element you know i thought we were expecting to see ddp come out and follow undertaker's wife around um so yeah very very odd for me yeah it was very odd and um took us to our main event jr delivered razor ramon versus diesel yes in the most interesting thing most shocking thing you'll find out this week um outside of the fact that slugs apparently have 27,000 teeth um jr is not loyal to wwf he's pissed off because of being brought in made to wear a toga getting sacked uh being brought back getting sacked again getting bell's palsy getting sacked again um he's the best play-by-play commentator in wwf and Kevin Kelly on this show did nothing to change anyone's opinion on that. Um, uh, and uh, he's, he's pissed and he's, he's annoyed about it. And therefore, um, that apparently leads to him bringing out the new Razor Ramon, who is not Scott Hall. No. And, um, yeah, fake Diesel, who's very much Kane. Yes. Yeah. Crazy, crazy. And that's the show. It is. It's the show. I mean, um, yeah, ECW is not back till February on WTV, I believe. So, be interesting how they handle it on ECW this week, whether it's just a mention and they're done, or whether it is a fire shots or show clips again or something. Because if it is just sort of one and done at this point, it didn't really do enough to make you go, wow, what's this ECW? It'd get your attention, no. but it wasn't, oh, wow. I mean, there was nothing. But, um, yeah. It was, um, I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was cute. It wasn't anything more than that, probably. Um, but yeah, it was, it was good. Yeah. But uh, it's nice to see him on there. And like I said, it's a different, different trip. It was something that we wanted to do when we we saw it was happening. We thought it was important to pop over and actually try and get the, the whole feel rather than just a, a five second. Uh, yeah, and it's really interesting to to spend a little bit of time in this kind of WWF point and feel what's going on in that space compared to what we're well, seeing in ECW. Well, the thing. We, we um, popped over to Nitro a few times and checked out Public Enemy and some of the others. So like I said, it's, it makes sense to have a little nosy of what these guys are doing. Especially considering just how many alumni are on this card and, you know, seeing what, what they're doing with, you know, the, the former Heavenly Body and the former um, Cactus Jack and the former Stunning Steve Austin and the superstar Steve Austin and um, so yeah, just really interesting to kind of see them balance through um, in that way, and, and see the ones that are thriving and the ones that are, are 
barely surviving in in the world of uh, WWF. Hundred percent. Oh, good stuff. Next week we're back to our normal schedule. We're back into the world of extreme ECW, nineteen ninety six September time. Raven Sandman, Shane Douglas Pitbull one and Pitbull two. Tommy Dreamer, Brian Lee, Eliminators Gangsters. Um, it's all going off over there. So make sure you check out that and join in. We're out of there. We're slowly getting towards the first pay-per-view. It hasn't been announced, but you can tell by the way they're planting seeds that behind the scenes, something is happening. So it's exciting, but make sure you follow us on social media to get all your updates at underscore sports reader on Twitter or Instagram. And if you want to have a little T-shirt and support the show, you can do simply by like, subscribing, or go to zazzle.co.uk or .com, search Sports Arena, have a look at some of the lovely Sports Arena shirts and purchase one if you show desire. But a little retweet would just be as nice. Definitely would be. Um, yeah, yeah, and, you know, rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend, um, you know, tell your mum. I'm sure your mum would love listening to us. Yeah, your mum um, And also... You know, we announce the shows you're watching as well. You can check out what episodes, dates and times. Have a little watch. An hour, lo- hour long. They're a great watch. Watch them all. Throw back your feedback. We do the shows every Wednesday. So get your comments in by Tuesday. And we'll try and flick through and talk. Yeah, I mean, they are amazing to, having grown up and being such a fan, they're amazing to rewatch after such a long time and with everything else that's happening happened in the world of wrestling so if you were a diehard fan then have a rewatch tell us how they hold up if you hated it then have a rewatch tell us if it's uh, grown on you in your in your years of um maturity that's it some of them are great to watch for nostalgia some of them are great to watch just purely through 2020 eyes so it's sort of um it's interesting for multiple reasons oh Thank you very much. And we'll be back next week for more extreme rewinds. See you later. Yes, sir. <laughs>